The Charles Spurgeon book, All of Grace, has been instrumental in so many lives in the conversion of innumerable souls and and is now available with updated language for a new generation. We're going to talk about it this morning as we highlight the book by Grace Alone with Craig Ireland. He was born in Sydney, Australia, now resides in New York. He's worked as a church planter in church revitalization and served as a senior pastor. And he is in his hometown area <laughs> in Australia this morning joining us. Good morning, Craig. Good morning. Well, good evening for me. Good morning for you. Great to be talking with you on air today. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. A blessing. So what got you interested in doing this project of kind of rewriting this book, Craig? Yeah, I, I've been a Charles Spurgeon um, fan. I don't know if fan's the right word, but God's used Spurgeon over many years in my life to mm-hmm. encourage me and just continually help me to be refocused on the gospel. And, um, you know, as, as, a, as a bit of a, a fan of Spurgeon, I always read him. I find him quite accessible, quite easy to read. But I recognize that there are a lot of people that don't, you know, can't dive into Victorian English with as much ease as maybe someone like myself who's been reading Spurgeon for years. So I really felt compelled that if we could take Spurgeon, just give his language a, a slight update, I think he's still very understandable. I think his message has got a lot of value and a lot of importance for many Christians today. Mm-hmm. How so? What's the message that you think we need to hear today from this book? Yeah, and I think this is really where Charles Spurgeon perhaps um, sets himself apart, because he really is gospel-centric in, uh, in all the right ways, which means that uh, Spurgeon was quite happy in his own day to speak to many social issues and issues with government and culture, but it was always about the gospel for Charles Spurgeon. He always circled back to the, the centrality of Christ, God's grace in Christ, the sacrificial life, death, burial, resurrection of Christ. And I think for me, especially pastoring today uh, in 2022, I guess 23, my bad, we just had New Year's a few days ago. <laughs> yeah, right. I need to start re- resetting myself on <laughs> I that. Um, I know how easy it is today to, to kind of get embroiled, right, in every controversy or you spend too much time on social media or you're, what do they call it, doom scrolling. I think it's easy to kind of lose sight of God's principal remedy for today's sin-sunken world is still Christ. He's still the pinnacle of all that God is doing, and that's where God is continuing to help bring healing and and hope. And so I think Spurgeon, he really helps us to circle back and remember Jesus and God's grace that is, of course, freely accessible in Christ. Yeah. So, Craig, let's touch a little bit on something you mentioned there, and that is the way our world is today and how much it needs to know that that we're sinners, that we need yeah. the Lord. And so talk about the extent that you feel that um, the culture really needs to uh, take a different look at guilt and shame uh, today. That's right. And I think one of the challenges we've seen over the last 10, 15, 20 years, I've pastored, obviously, North America. I've pastored here in Australia, my, my home country, and visited most places in the world. And what I've noticed is there has been a, a slow and in some places more aggressive erosion of the idea of human culpability, that we are, at, you know, we, God made us in his image. God has a perfect plan for us, but we are rebellious people. We, we have gone astray, each and every one of us. I think the value that Spurgeon offers in this book, By Grace Alone, is he helps people not only to just come to terms with that reality, that we're actually in a position of being sick, we're, we're in a position of being estranged to God, and a remedy is needed, and, and intervention is, is required but Spurgeon helps us to see that there's hope in that. He, he, really, he really drives home the message of Jesus when Christ himself said that he's not come 
to find the healthy people or the righteous people. Like a doctor, he's seeking out the unwell. He's seeking out the the sin sick so he can bring his remedy of grace to them. And I think that's probably being more and more lost today. I think there are churches that are shying away from the idea of communicating the reality that all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard, but the gift of God is grace. It's salvation. It's, It's righteousness in Christ. And I think that's really what Spurgeon is offering in this wonderful work that I've done my best to revise and bring in an updated language. Mm-hmm. So, Craig, just from your experience with working with the vernacular of the day and people's, I guess, changing view on sin, I mean, I, I find that some mm. people don't acknowledge what is sin in the Bible. Yep. <laughs> so how yep. do you connect with them? How do you connect with an unbeliever and talk about grace if there's really no knowledge of sin, or how do you get there? from where culture is today. Yeah, and I think uh, even as I've been pastoring now, I think I just uh, clocked over my 20th year not long ago, and I think I've seen, I've seen that evolution in the mindset of, uh, of the secularism around us to, to constantly move away from categories of morality and categories of ethics and, and our, our innate brokenness to more categories of, you know, we're, we're just sick or there's something missing or, you know, the remedy that we need is maybe more medications or a different doctor's script or prescription or something like that. I think the good news of the gospel is it really, it really comes right home to where our major issue is, and that is that all of us have sinned in the sight of God, and God hasn't turned away from us, but rather He has sent His Son, Christ, to come and in our place to bear the reproach, the shame, the brokenness, the fallenness, the guilt that every one of us has incurred, so that Christ can die, a substitute, mm-hmm. and then rise in victory and offer this, this eternal life, this righteousness to all who receive Him. I think that, in my experience, if you take time with people and sit down with them and really try and get to the root of, do you really believe that at your very core you're a good person that just keeps making missteps, or is it possible that you're willing to acknowledge that actually you've broken God's commandments. Mm. You, you're not the hero of the story. You're the villain. But the hero that God has provided is Jesus, and he is worthy and able to save to the uttermost all and any who merely come to him and confess him as Lord and Savior. Yeah, mm, amen. That's, good. that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So what's something in your study of uh, Spurgeon that you've studied over the years that has kind of not surprised you maybe, but maybe just went, wow, never thought anything about that he would think that way. Is there something that stood out to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that the more people study Spurgeon, especially if they're really committed to a, a deep dive, mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of um, caverns and avenues and, and curiosities about his life. But I think we're just regarding this particular book here by Grace Law, and I think the thing that Every time I return to it and I reread it, and even though I've done a revision myself, I still go back and reread this book. I try and make it a commitment once a year because it's such a powerful reminder of the gospel. Uh, Charles Spurgeon quotes a, a hymn writer. He doesn't give an attribution to who exactly wrote this hymn, but he quotes this line from him. And he, he, Spurgeon means this to be very provocative, very garring. And the line is, the sinner is a sacred thing. The Holy Spirit makes him so. And the point that Spurgeon is driving at is that our sinfulness is not something that should cause us to feel abject shame and rejection by God, but our sinfulness is actually our qualification for grace. It's our lostness Mm. that brings us to the place of being able to receive the intervention that God provides in Christ. I think that is really what Spurgeon does, which is such a beautiful, powerful, compelling way 
of helping all of us to acknowledge, yeah, actually, I'm the bad guy in the story, but God has intervened so powerfully. And because I'm the wretch, because I'm depraved, because I'm guilty and sin-sunken, the remedy that God provides in Christ is the perfect antidote. It's the perfect fit for my case. And although, you know, I, I know that. I've been preaching the gospel myself for, for decades, as I said earlier. That reminder to me is still just so jarring and helpful, and, and it brings the peace because I don't have to be perfect because God has provided perfection in Christ. Now, of course, I want to strive to be better. I want to grow in sanctification. But in order to be God's child by adoption, I don't need to be perfect I just need to cling to Christ. And that is always, for me personally, such a powerful reminder. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. So talk about Charles Spurgeon's last words and why we should take them seriously. Yeah, I think um, you know, Spurgeon's last words, particularly in this book, he, he writes at the very end of this book the same appeal that he writes just about at the end of every chapter, just about through every chapter. He says to his readers, he says, meet me in heaven. That's, that's the thrust of the desire of Charles Spurgeon. When he first released his book, of course, under a, a different name, we went with a, the publisher myself decided we would go with a new name, not to confuse it with Spurgeon's original work. But when Spurgeon wrote that, his words were, meet me in heaven, because his, his desire ultimately was that everyone who reads this would, would discover for themselves the preciousness, the glory, and the grace of God mm. in Christ. And, and so I, I wrote a small preface just at the start of this new edition by Grace Alone. And the preface, you know, starts out with those words that if you're reading this and maybe you've been a churchgoer all your life, maybe you identify as a Christian and you can talk the talk, walk the walk. No one would, no one would ever doubt your profession of faith. But inwardly, there's a, there's a question. You're really not sure. You don't have that sense of certainty that God's grace is yours. Spurgeon wants through this book you to rediscover the preciousness and the liberality and freeness of the gospel. It's open to all, and what qualifies us all to lay hold of this is not working harder, striving, being better, being more law-abiding, but actually it's our corruption, it's our fallenness and our frailty that brings us to a place of being qualified for the freedom of grace. So, you know, I would say for even many of the listeners today of this wonderful radio program, I may not meet them here on earth, the chances are I probably won't. But but if I could echo the words of Spurgeon, meet us in heaven, find in God and in Christ the perfect righteousness that we all lack, and know that it is through his sin-free life, his death and his resurrection, that true forgiveness can be found. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, Craig, I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind praying for uh, those that are maybe listening today that are those people you talked about that have uh, maybe been to church their whole life, they they're just realizing that, well, maybe I'm not really truly saved. Or for those that have just tuned in and are saying, mm. I really need this change in my life to start this new year. Would you pray for them this morning? Yeah, I'd love to do that. I appreciate the, uh, the privilege to do that. Let us go ahead and approach God's throne of grace in prayer. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Mm. Lord God, we thank you that we don't deserve grace. We have done everything to, uh, we've done everything to, to mess this up, Lord God. We've all, in our own way, we've all gone astray. We've all sinned. We all have our mm-hmm. own uh, particular failings and shortfallings, Lord God. But in your, in your graciousness, you know, the infiniteness of your mercy and your love, you have provided Jesus. I pray that every one of us, Lord God, no matter where we are today, no matter what we're thinking, what we're doing, no matter what sins are, are in our life and what struggles we're really up against, I pray that we would look to Christ with the eye of faith and we would know that he is enough. He has done enough. His sin-free life, his vicarious death 
in our behalf and in our place. He dies on that cross to take away our guilt and shame. If only we would receive him by faith. And then look, God, of course, his triumphant resurrection, where he leads us in victorious procession, because he's risen to conquer Satan, sin, and the temptations in the world and the flesh. Lord God, we thank you for Jesus. I pray for every one of these listeners today that they would know Jesus in a saving way and that the peace of God, the peace of the Spirit would flood their soul and their life. Lord God, we pray that grace would just be shed abroad. We ask you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Craig. Appreciate that, brother. That is uh, Craig Ireland. The book is called By Grace Alone. And uh, such a blessing to have you uh, with us. Hope you have a great rest of your evening there with your family. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. And God bless you all and your listeners.